Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Realm presents The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, Season 1, Episode 29. Two. The West German Embassy didn't know it, but they'd selected an ideal venue for Anchises when they arranged the conference reception. The Lichtensteinsky Palace, a stark Georgian block of stone and plaster mounted right along the western bank of the Voltava. Gabe waited patiently while the security guards frisked him, then Josh, and then headed into the soft amber glow of the grand reception space. Cherub smiled down on them from the frescoed ceiling overhead as Josh and Gabe snagged appetizers off of the waiter's trays. Stern oil paintings watched them from the wall with long-suffering stares. Gabe studied the ceiling for a moment. At least the party hadn't redrawn the cherubs as Marx and Lenin. Yet. Our friends are fashionably late, Josh said, fidgeting with his glass of club soda. No whiskey tonight. Gabe shrugged. They run on their own timetable. But his mind was worrying over the potential ways that they could be getting screwed right now. The Russian delegation's minders could have decided that the dinner away from the hotel presented too great a security risk. They might have caught another delegate prowling the red light district without his minders and decided to punish the whole team. Or they could just be postponing, laying the lectures on thick about the danger of speaking with Westerners, for instance. Gabe and Josh had to be prepared for the distinct possibility that all their well-laid plans for tonight had been for naught. That at any moment, a minder's suspicions could be tripped, and they'd blow their best chance at nabbing Sokolov. Surely Frank and Dominic couldn't fault Gabe for it. These things happened. Spooks got spooked. But, God, it sure would be nice to have something go right just this once. Gabe's gaze slid across the cloth-covered tables toward the entrance just in time to catch sight of Tanya Morozova entering the reception. Shit. It had been too much to hope that he wouldn't cross paths with her again until Sokolov was safely in U.S. airspace. So much for an easy night. 
Tanya held a small clutch close to her chest as she scanned the room. Her dark blonde hair had been swept up and fastened with some sort of elegant jeweled device Gabe couldn't name. And she wore a gauzy, shimmering gown that surely came out of the KGB's costume closet. It bared her sharp Slavic collarbones and softened her hips and brought out that glimmering something in her expression that he'd only seen in flashes before. She looked good, fresh-faced, shy, hopeful. It immediately set off every alarm bell Gabe had. Gabe turned back toward Josh before Tanya could catch sight of him and gripped the edge of the standing table. All right, so that's how she wanted this to play out. Tanya thought she'd made a mark of him. That had to be why she was here. They'd had a moment in the hotel basement, their magic working harmoniously to stop the golem's rampage. And in that moment, she must have seen something in him. An opportunity, a weakness to exploit, an open door to wedge her foot into, an unhealed wound that she could dig at with her wicked little nails. Gabe? Gabe blinked and looked up. Josh was frowning at him, that damning mixture of fear and concern from before Gabe had managed to get the hitchhiker under control. What's the matter? Josh asked. You looked angry all of a sudden. Gabe exhaled, breath whistling through his nose. More eyes here than I'd anticipated. Josh peered over Gabe's shoulder, then nodded. I see. Josh twisted his glass in his hands, like he was screwing up the courage to say something. No, Gabe thought. Please, no. It's what she wants. For you to think that maybe there could be something between me and her. It's nothing like that. It's so much worse. Well, she shouldn't be a problem. Josh forced a smile and elbowed Gabe. Should she? Gabe smiled back, hand slipping into his pocket again. The braided bits of copper and tin soothed him. They sang to the hitchhiker like a lullaby. Not once the show starts. A pinched-looking diplomat appeared at the base of the staircase and silenced the reception with a spoon against his glass. Attention? Might I please have your attention? He introduced himself as the special assistant to the West German ambassador and launched into a lengthy speech about his country's deep and abiding interest in promoting scientific progress and agricultural advancement. After a morning full of such talk, Gabe could feel his eyelids starting to droop. He'd already pledged to stick to water and soda tonight. This op was too important. But he started scanning for a waiter to bring him coffee. Our friends from the Russian delegation are already waiting for us in the dining hall, so please let us join them. After we eat, then we shall present the awards. Josh and Gabe looked at one another. The Russians were already here? Their minders must have brought them up a rear staircase. The ice in Gabe's glass rattled as he took a slow sip and followed Josh toward the dining hall. Well, he said quietly, they always know how to keep it interesting. Dinner was the usual rubbery chicken Kiev and wilted sides of cabbage and beets. Gabe and Josh wound up at a table with a couple of agricultural scientists 
who spent the entire award ceremony whispering their disdain back and forth in rapid-fire French. Sokolov was stationed at the far side of the room, at one of the tables closest to the podium. He never looked toward Gabe, but he did seem unusually fascinated by the long row of French windows along the eastern wall of the ballroom, which opened onto a series of balconies. Beautiful night, Gabe said to Josh. Want to see if they'll let us get some fresh air once the dancing starts? Josh smiled. I'll go have a word with the hosts. The Russians had moved, en masse, to the bar, the handful of scientists encircled by an arc of minders as they crowded the long wooden counter. Gabe reached into his pocket as he stood. Morozova wasn't with them. It looked like she'd gotten trapped in conversation with the insufferable Hungarian secretary, who'd become something of a hazing ritual for the Western officers. Gabe smiled to himself as Tanya squirmed looking about ready to gnaw her arm off to escape whatever night at the symphony the secretary was recounting right then. The hitchhiker shifted, stirring, as Gabe closed his hands around the first charm in his pocket and approached the bar. Copper and crushed Czech wildflowers, ashes from a burnt birch tree, and a few dabs of blood. Gabe tasted it like an early spring awakening, blossoming on his tongue. This was how he imagined magic should feel. A current he could harness, not a live wire threatening to burn him to a crisp. This was exactly what he needed. Magic that supplemented his work, not magic that got in the way. The hitchhiker approved. And, from the middle of the pack of minders, he sensed the elemental inside Sokolov awakening as well. Omluftame, Gabe said, intentionally using thickly accented Czech instead of Russian as he shouldered his way past the goons up to the bar. In his pocket, the charm began to vibrate. The monitor whose personal space Gabe was currently invading curled his lips back to reveal a gummy sneer. I am not Czech. Oh, my apologies. Gabe jabbed out one hand. Gabriel, and you are... I am not interested in speaking with you, the ape replied. A second monitor peeled away from the crowd and sauntered over to them. Dima, who are you talking to? American man. Sounds like he is lonely. Dima narrowed his eyes at Gabe. He's trying to make Russian friends. Does not seem wise for someone in his position. As soon as the second minder approached, Gabe activated the second charm. Through the thicket of Russian shoulders, Gabe noticed Sokolov wince. He, too, felt the power Gabe was drawing, whether he understood it or not. It's easy mistake, the second minder said. Also easy to fix. Gabe smirked. Oh, and how's that? Come on, Gabe thought. One more. There was just one last minder who hadn't approached him yet. You buy us a round of drinks, Dima said. Then, maybe then, we forget to tell people you talk to us, yes? Could be most embarrassing for you. The other minder folded his arms. 
I am sure your friends at the embassy would not like to hear the treasonous things Mr. Gabriel Pritchard, Commerce Secretary for the United States Embassy, said to me. Gabe's smile widened. He could always count on the Russians to do their homework. And he could always, always count on them to assume their boldness would give them the upper hand. Very well, he waved to the bartender. A round of Goldwasser for my friends, in honor of our German hosts, yeah? Dima and his beefy companion nodded after a moment's beat. Oh, but, uh, what about your other friend? Gabe gestured toward the third monitor. Wouldn't want him to feel left out. The second nodded. Kostya, come, we have drinks. Gabe smiled and, as Kostya approached, thumbed the third charm in his pocket. The bartender poured out four shots of Goldwasser, and Gabe plucked his up with a quick whisper under his breath. The whisper was only a single word. Amharic, probably. Ancient, definitely. He'd most likely botched the pronunciation. But Jordan had drilled him over it again and again, and he knew exactly how it should feel pouring out of his mouth exactly the golden rush that would cleanse through his nostrils and wash over his vision, if only for a moment's time. The energy arced through him, fed by the elemental half-lodged in his skull and by the not-too-distant ley lines that coursed beneath Prague. Filtered through the charm, the charge of his spell dispersed over the shot glasses of Goldvasa and settled into the liquid and flecks of gold. Gabe raised his glass in toast. Zazadorovye, comrades. Zazadorovye, the minders echoed and tossed back their shots. Everyone flipped their shot glasses and dropped them upside down on the bar. In such a mess, it was hard to notice that an entire shot's worth of liquid had failed to make it into Gabe's mouth. Already, the Russians were calling for vodka. Gabe took the opportunity to step away from the bar and let the spell do its work. This was almost too easy. A few minutes' time to set up something that might have taken him hours and several rounds of drinks to accomplish otherwise? Maybe there really was something to this whole spycraft via magic business. Gabe reached into his pocket once more to rub the charms. For good luck, he supposed. And for a silent thanks that Tanya Morozova was keeping away. Then a hand closed around his wrist. Well, my dear fellow, Alistair Winthrop said, looking up at Gabe with one eyebrow carefully raised. I'm rather certain your agency doesn't provide those a standard issue. Now's really not the time, Al. But is this for business? Alistair asked. Or strictly for fun? Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, 
During Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free. And when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Nadia's boots slid across Stare Miesto, the cobblestones slick and gleaming from centuries of footsteps. Something was wrong. She sensed it in the warp and weft of the magic rising up from the ley line beneath her. Something was terribly wrong. Whatever had tripped her sensing charm was pulling way too much power off the line to be some simple incantation. Ritual magic, elemental magic, deep, powerful, and if it wasn't being conducted by the ice, quite possibly dark. Her boxer's muscles carried her quickly around the pedestrians, out reveling in the precious extra hours of sunlight they'd snatched from winter's grasp. She bounced on the balls of her feet periodically to scan over their heads and darted down alleyways for a quick assessment. What the hell was the flame brewing this time? A sudden horrific possibility flashed through her. What if they'd found another host? A dark rumor had been winding its way through the ice channels of late, whispers and wonderings over just what the flame intended for the hosts they'd collected. Blood sacrifices, elemental harvesting, all sorts of gruesome possibilities that Nadia didn't care to dwell on for long. But if the flame intended anything of the sort, Nadia knew exactly where they'd need to go to accomplish it. She crashed through the door of Bar Vodnar shoulder first, a fistful of ashes at the ready and an ancient Slavic curse heavy on her tongue. The babble of conversation stopped abruptly as all eyes turned toward Nadia. Hedge witches, in their dirndles and piles of crystal pendants, eyed her over glasses of mulled wine. Tweety, shifty-eyed spies shrank back into their corner booths. A check worker drinking at the bar tugged his cap brim over his face and curled his lip back. The jukebox bleated out a cheerful chorus of sugar, oh, honey, honey, as Nadia scrutinized everyone and they, in turn, scrutinized her. Finally, Jordan Reams broke the stalemate as she swept out from behind the bar. Her broom skirt twisted around her ankles and spun widely in rhythm with her steps as she approached Nadia at the door. She wore her usual bartending smile, amused but not enchanted, but the skin around her eyes had pulled tight. Hello, Miss Astrokina. Jordan's voice was low, threaded beneath the chipper jukebox song. Is there something I can help you with? Nadia heard too what Jordan didn't say, because if there isn't, you'd best be on your way. Nadia moved slowly, deliberately, making her intentions known as she tucked the handful of char back into her jacket pocket. Someone's pulling off the ley lines. 
she whispered, pillaring something big, huge. I was worried. She swallowed past a sudden tightness in her throat. I thought they might be, be using the confluence. She broke off as Jordan's expression changed. The woman's lips pressed into a thin line, and she reached for Nadia's arm. Let's have a word around back. Nadia let herself be steered into the Vodnar's storerooms. They ducked around dangling bouquets of dried and drying herbs, and Nadia narrowly avoided knocking a calcified lizard skin off a shelf. As soon as they were fully inside the back rooms, Jordan shut the door and uttered a few words of warding as she smeared a tincture from a nearby jar around the door's frame. Nadia tilted her head, curiosity getting the better of her. Reem's magic had always seemed so wild to her, so haphazard and imprecise. But she saw now a certain elegance in it, a simplicity that the ice's work often lacked. A couple of flame scumbags came poking around a few days ago, Jordan said. Nadia folded her arms, one of the rare times she hated being right. They wanted access to the confluence? Tried to strong on me into giving it up. Started with the soft cell, and when that didn't work, brought out a few sick pieces of ritual work. Ugly stuff. You should have contacted us, Nadia said. We could have helped you take care of them. Jordan shook her head, a loose, dark lock falling over one eye. No need. They got run off by one of their own. One of their own. Irritating the way Jordan always sidestepped the most valuable bits of intel. Nadia was dying to know exactly who, but she'd been around Reems too long to expect anything more. Top shelf bourbon and useful bits of knowledge. You always paid extra at Bar Vodnar. That doesn't sound like flame, Nadia said instead. The giving up or the internal conflict? Both, Nadia sighed. Believe me, I'd love nothing more than for the flame to tear themselves apart from the inside. This work for me. But this pull of energy, it isn't us. Jordan worried a strip of dried reeds between her fingers as she thought. Could be that the flame in charge didn't want to risk revealing that they were conducting something that powerful. If they seized control of the Vodnar, of the confluence, then people would hear and people would realize that the flame was working on something big. Nadia nodded, ideas gathering speed. Right, better to conduct it somewhere safer, where they can control who knows about it, even if it means less energy to fuel the ritual. Fortunately for the flame, they don't know about your sensors. Nadia froze. Jordan was grinning at her white teeth gleaming in the dim light. Slowly, Nadia pulled her shoulders back. I beg your pardon? Oh, you know. Jordan gestured in the air. Those charms you've hidden all along the main path of the southwest-northeast ley line to see where power is being drawn. A number of choice Russian phrases ran through Nadia's mind. Spies aren't the only observant people in this city, Miss Ostrokina. Jordan smiled. Be that as it may, Nadia swallowed. 
A cold sweat was encasing her like a shroud. Rituals requiring utmost secrecy. Flame goons trying to gain access to the confluence. I really don't like the way this is eating up. Then I suggest you use those sensors to find what's drawing the energy and put a stop to it. Jordan turned toward one of her shelves and dug around in a small cigar box. And here, this might help. Nadia pocketed the thin sheet of mica Jordan handed her, its edges wrapped in a slender thread of silver. Thanks, she muttered. She had no doubt that one way or another, Jordan would find a way to make her pay for it. Gabe pulled his wrist away from Alistair and made a nervous scan of the ballroom. Look, Al, now is really not a good time. Nonsense, we're all friends here. There was no mistaking the sudden sharpness in Alistair's sunny expression, the hard steel glint of his eyes. For perhaps the first time since they'd met, Gabe felt that he was finally seeing the slick operator MI6 was known for producing. That beneath the bespoke suits and eaten rhetoric, a cold-blooded spy was at work. Maybe he had been all along. All right, Gabe said, lowering his voice. He eased back on his heels and donned the best bored, polite party smile he could. It's business. But I thought I could, you know, practice. Alistair snorted with something resembling a laugh. Gabe got the distinct impression the Brit was enjoying this way too much. I don't know which disappoints me more. That you haven't let me in on the fun of whatever you're hunting, or that you didn't ask for my help working those charms. They're nothing, really. An old gift from Jordan. Gabe lifted his shoulders. Thought I should get more comfortable working with them. And the case? Alistair asked. Gabe sighed. You know I can't talk to you about that. Alistair cocked one eyebrow. Now, now, what's the harm in a little chat among friends? That, Gabe shook his finger at Alistair. That's exactly the problem. Especially when you count people like her among your friends, too. Everything okay? Josh asked, sauntering up to them. He kept an easy pace, but his expression was strained. Gabe, shouldn't we? Josh's gaze flickered toward Alistair. Only for a second, but it was enough. Gabe suppressed a groan. Al was friendly with Tanya, and he was more than a little friendly with Josh, apparently. Alistair's loose lips might sink all sorts of ships. Alistair's smile dimmed as he turned his attention back toward Gabe. If you need my help, he said, you need only ask. Gabe shook his head. I appreciate it, Al. Really, I do. But honest, I have everything under control. At that moment, the shouting began. You're listening to The Witch Who Came In From The Cold, created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. The Witch Who Came In From The Cold is created by Max Gladstone and written by Max Gladstone, Lindsay Smith, Cassandra Rose Clark, Ian Tregellis, and Michael Swanwick. Performed by Christine Lakin and John Glushevich. Directed by Dennis Keo. Produced by Julian Yap and Marco Palmieri. Associate Producers Corey Barton and Devin Shepard. Executive Produced by Molly Barton. Audio Production by Literati Audio. Audio Editing by Evan Arnett and Fred Koch. Mixing and Mastering by Jeremy Wesley. Original Music by Katherine Anderson. Find more shows like this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.